2: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
3: What is going on, San Diego? Welcome in to Quinn and Chris. 201 on the Dow. Tony Quinn Jr. Matt Scraby. Chris Ello will join us periodically throughout the show. He is uh, up in Fresno as the Aztecs look to uh, bounce back after a tough loss at home against UNLV. They'll take on the Bulldogs. So it's just me and Scravy today. A lot of news, obviously. How can we describe Last night's national championship games. Crazy. Uh drubbing, maybe? <laughs> drubbing is definitely a word.
4: Beatdown beat is down. another word. Embarrassment Embarrass- is another word. Oh, I think word. there are
3: quite a few words that can be used to describe all TCU fans last night.
4: How did this happen?
3: Yeah, we uh, just uh, left the presence of Braden Zabrini. <sighs> who is having a rough go of it. Be nice to him, people. Yeah, he's going he, through it right he's now. He's been uh getting pummeled, as he said on, on, <laughs> he on social media. That. Uh he was there enjoying the experience, but uh you know, after it was all said and done, I think through his lens, he, he would have rather TCU have lost in the semifinal game and not have to deal with the craziness that has come his way after. But you know, that is uh, sports in today's uh, world that we live in.
4: That's why I'm not talking too much trash about the 49ers, because I know that there will be so much given back to me when they or if they lose. Listen,
3: at the end of the day, um, when you are going to delve into social media and be along with the banter. You can become subject of that banter. Oh yes, you can uh, when your team goes down. And oh yes you can. <laughs> so I've think, been there. I think that's what Bray's going a little going through a little bit right now. Sixty five to seven. Now, I have to be honest with you, Scrape. Uh, when we left our the building yesterday, I think it was thirty something to was seven. Thirty eight to seven, they were just going into halftime. I didn't watch uh, a down from that point on and thank I'm glad I didn't. Because apparently nothing really changed from the time we were watching it in this <laughs> no. room to when I got home. It, it seems like uh, Mister uh, Stetson the Fourth, Stetson Bennett the Fourth, Stetson Bennett <laughs> <laughs> the had, Fourth had himself um, the perfect ending to a, a, I would say, a pretty storied career. At this point, you think about where he had to start and where he ended up. This is uh, you got to give him a lot of credit, and I'll tell you why he is. One of the few that we've seen in this generation not pick, pack his bags and go when it when it wasn't looking his way. He came there, had the red shirt, uh, was what, the third, fourth string quarterback at yeah, one time? Yeah, he wasn't time. even a thought. He wasn't even a thought. But uh, he has certainly... And listen, this comes from, from uh, Georgia Bulldog people themselves. When he first took over that job, there were a ton of question marks. It almost was as though... He was able to ride a defense there. Is is some of the perception I think at initially he's a game of, manager a, about Stetson Bennett, but uh, I think by the end of last year's national championship, all the way through this year, he has proved that not to be the case.
4: What do you have? Six total touchdowns last night. Four th- passing touchdowns. Two uh, run rushing touchdowns. In. I feel like, because I did turn it on, Tony, when I got home, just to see real quick if TCU could do anything, and then they went three and out. Well, they they stopped Georgia coming out of the half with a three and out. So I thought, all right, maybe something happened in that locker room. They're going to come out and fire it up, and then it just didn't go their way, so I stopped watching.
3: Yeah, (laughs) to say the least. I mean, and so, you know, as it goes, especially in today's world of sports, the conversation begins of... Well, should it have been a different team? Um, would you know? I've seen tweets, I've seen posts from from Alabama players. You know, oh gosh, who you know were, were shooting their shot. <laughs> they weren't even in the playoffs. We saw Michigan shoot this up, and there were some some folks on that side shoot their they shot. They made the playoffs. They have some grief. Uh, you know, surprisingly, the only people I haven't heard from. I feel like we haven't heard from is Ohio State. They probably are the one that has the best case. I mean, they almost they, beat them. They him. almost beat them, right? But if it
4: wasn't for the kicker that missed the kick as soon as the clock struck midnight on 2023. Do you think any other team would have given them No, a I think shot? Ohio State was the only one. I did and, and maybe Michigan, but they didn't have their best player, uh, Blake Corum. Yeah. And that just the changed back, everything. Correct?
3: Yeah, the running back. That changed everything for them. Yeah. So. And, you know, their, their, their offense was predicated on the, the run attack. And without him, they look different. They look different. And Ohio State, I mean, you could argue. They could they could legitimately make the argument that they gave that game away. They had like two or three turnovers. They had one that was uh, pretty close on, on their side of the field. Yeah. So, uh, nevertheless, the Bulldogs earned it. I mean,
4: what you, it also you, proves to you, me is the the different levels of college football. Because not not that the TCU is so much different than Georgia, but Georgia is a minor league NFL team. It seems like here's here's
3: what I say. I think we have to be careful with that because we we oftentimes will have a game like this, and then sixty-five to seven. No, it's no doubt. Right now, this year, the way the the setup ended up happening, um, yes, Georgia was clear cut. But we also just finished saying Ohio State was was had that game in hand until the last few minutes in which they gave it up to Georgia, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, are they that much better than the next tier of teams? I don't know cuz that means you'd have to put Ohio State in that same tier with Georgia, right? Cuz it, they it was neck and neck. It wasn't like it was a blowout. No, that right. game was right there. So I think I say that to say we should be careful about look reading too much into this victory. Yes, this seemed to be a bad matchup from the very beginning of the game if you were watching it anytime you watch in the trenches and the offensive line of scrimmage is moving backwards backwards <laughs> if you are if you're watching the Georgia Bulldogs on defense and the offensive line is moving the line of scrimmage forward that much to me those are telltale signs that it's not a good match because because no. ultimately I, I think in today's college football the skill positions for the most part are all the same um you get a lot of skilled guys everywhere across they're the nation. Fast, yeah, right? they're fast guys. The good, that teams, can catch ha- the and good play. teams have more of them, yes. right? But the trenches is where I think is is the good teams separate themselves, right? I think um, there aren't enough big, athletic, three hundred pounders just you know roaming the United States.
4: You know, it's just, <laughs> no, there's there, no, there no six foot far, seven. Right, there are far yeah.
3: more you know 5'10 to 6'3 190 pounds athletes there are far more of those guys thinking of wide receivers thinking of you know the 5'11 205 running yeah. back or the you know there's far there's far more quarterbacks to go around there's only one of those at each really school that's going to start but there aren't enough of those those big guys that are that athletic and that's where i think the separation happens at the top tier Versus where you start kind of dwindling down. After no, you're absolutely you're absolutely
4: right because when you are TCU, you got big guys. Of course you do. You're a Big Twelve team. You, you played a lot of good teams this year. You had a lot of good wins, but then Georgia, you, you're six foot four, three hundred pound guys are going up against the six foot five, three hundred and forty pound guys that run a four three forty, and it's just a completely different game
3: yeah no it, it, and I think that was what the separator was in that game it, it wasn't the quarterbacks right because I think the quarterbacks were pretty even the difference was my man for TCU didn't, didn't have, have any old, time no. he, he didn't have much time to find some of those speedy wide receivers he had and as the game went along it just the attrition on on the the offensive line for TCU just it just it was worn down do you think that they that Georgia ran up the score? I don't, you know, I I don't I, I don't have an opinion on it, honestly. If, okay. they, if they did, it's the national. Well, they did take Stetson Bennett out of
4: the game it's, early. It's the national
3: championship. You know, and, and Kirby and, Smart's thing has played pretty much all sixty minutes. Isn't that what we? That's the era we're in right yeah. now, right? You play to the end of the thing. In this particular game, in this particular situation, you're right. They took Stetson Bennett out. Now, if you're having a hard time with your first stopping, their seconds. That speaks only more to <laughs> yes, our it does. to our point that yeah. in this particular case it wasn't it wasn't a good matchup. And they exposed it. And so yeah, I don't think they would have done this to every team. TCU, you know, remember they upset the higher seed. So I mean who knows it would have been a maybe a little bit different look, but that was the matchup we got this year.
4: And in a positive note on T C U, they proved that something that many people didn't think was possible, and that was to get to the national championship as a, a smaller market, quote-unquote, team, not the big college football teams, the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Georgias. TCU made it all the way there, and they uh, did a good job of doing that. So it's good to see that there's other teams out there that can make it there without having to be a
3: powerhouse. Yeah. No, It, it listen, I, I was happy to see TCU there because for those very same reasons. However... Now we'll have to hear about the argument, and maybe not because the playoff is expanding, right? So yeah, you know. And I also think that's this. I think you'll see less of this as the playoffs start to expand, probably. Right? Yeah, because it, it, there's you know things that can can happen, and all of a sudden a, a team gets knocked out that you didn't expect. There's more games; they got to do it longer. Um, yeah, nevertheless that was a uh, it was an interesting uh national championship. It game. really was.
4: Did you see David Pollack, the Georgia alum sitting next to Nick Saban, the current active Alabama head coach, and during halftime
3: and saying It passed. They passed basically passed. Georgia
4: the, is like the gold standard now for the I, SEC. And and Nick Saban was looking at him and he didn't give a, anything on his face, but you could just tell like I'm using this First as of fuel. all,
3: I'll tell you what, memes are, are a trip, right? <laughs> they because really are. They change your perspective of, of what is actually happening. You're right? right. You're right. So I I didn't see it live, so I didn't see it in its original form. What I did see was a meme of Pollock saying those words, basically saying, you know, Georgia's the new Alabama uh, uh right now in the SEC. Yeah. And they and then they at this point they slow it down and there's like some type of music going on and you can see like Nick Nick Saban staring at him and then kind of looking off like this guy is losing his mind It's what it looked like Nick Saban was saying it, so- in his head. I mean, I, I,
4: I'm i happy that David Pollock said it. It's so gutsy to say that, though, with the Alabama head coach. I, I find it weird kind of that Nick Saban was there to begin with because he's an active head coach, but it, it, it's, <laughs> it was such a good shot for a fellow SEC guy to, to deliver Just to Nick knowing
3: Saban. how deep ties run with oh, former yeah. schools in the SEC, I have no doubt that David Pollack had some conversations with some former football Bulldogs. <laughs> and just knowing that that opportunity was going to come... He had to have had premeditated thoughts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he delivered it perfectly. He delivered it perfectly. He didn't
4: stumble. (laughs) He delivered it confidently. Everything went according to plan for him.
3: Oh, it went perfectly, and Nick Saban just had to eat it. He couldn't say (laughs) nothing back. He had nothing to say. He just literally watched the Georgia Bulldogs put up 65. In a national championship. I wanted game. to
5: congratulate my favorite college football
4: coach, Nick Saban.
3: That's yeah, a really I, weird thing for I, you to I, say, Chris. I, I wish we could send this that clip to Chris because I think of all of us, he would probably enjoy it the oh, most. Oh yeah,
4: he yeah he would. <laughs> the, the,
3: the Chris smile would would go up on his face as he's watching the Nick Saban clip. No, no doubt about it. All right, we got four hour show for you. As I said, Chris will join us periodically. Throughout the four hours, Greg Camarillo will join us from two pros and a joe. will join us, 240, talk a little NFL playoffs. Uh, Kirk Kenny to talk a little bit about the San Diego State football team. They had a, a big-time transfer. We'll get into uh, a, a friend of mine, Dan Hayes, covers the uh, uh, the Twins. And you guys may remember him. He covered the North County Times uh, for, for quite some time here in San Diego. He's going to come on. He's going to talk a little bit about this Carlos Correa. Uh, how would she say it? Um... It's not a. We should know better by now to 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 call these things official. Uh, It Mm, has been reported that Carlos Correa has come to a deal with the Minnesota Twins in a what is called a zigzag and then finish at the right spot. You know, it started (laughs) in San Francisco at three seventy five. It moved on to New York at three fifteen, and I'm talking dollars here, millions of dollars and he will end up settling for 200 mil over 6 years with a vesting option and this is a, a very interesting piece here we'll get into it with Dan A's. basically what the twins have done they've they've given him a 6 year deal for 200 uh assuming he passes the physical and it said it's been reported that they're going to be okay yes, yeah. they were one of the teams that had him already they had him so, last year, so this so isn't they anything, know. right this isn't anything new to them um but what they've done is they've given him a six-year, two hundred million dollar deal. But they've given a, a vesting option, which means both sides agree to it uh, for a four-year, seventy million dollar deal. So it could turn out to be a ten-year, two hundred and seventy million dollar deal, million dollar deal. So he he got backed into a corner where he's having to accept a long-term deal with a
4: team that he might not want to actually play for long
3: term. Here, here's the thing: I don't think he. It, it was a matter of if he wanted to play. Minnesota. He clearly liked it there. They had engaged in talks early with the Twins, but at the time he thought I could get more, and he did get more, and he did get more. Uh, unfortunately, the teams that gave him more weren't as comfortable.
4: Yes, uh, with, uh, with three hundred seventy-five million dollars, uh, they going weren't to as somewhere?
3: comfortable. But Minnesota is good at two seventy-five, possibly vesting two hundred for now. Uh, We'll see who gets the last laugh in this. I wanna you guys said something interesting yesterday.
4: You said it, Tony, about how Steve Cohen basically announced that the deal was done and there's some people that view that as tampering. Uh do you think anything's gonna come out of that? Because Steve Cohen seems like he is uh he's ultimate Met guy and he just wants to get the news
3: out there and I don't, wait. Something could come of that. Really? I'm not sure. We'll see. Owners but just certainly, can't tweet that stuff. This is this is why. And you know, oftentimes everybody's like you know the deal is happening. Why don't you just go ahead and talk about it? This is exactly why uh, he basically went on record saying that it was it was a dud deal, and it wasn't, and it wasn't. They looked <laughs> his, his doctors looked at it and said, "I uh, I don't know that you would continue paying me if I told you that this was okay. I don't want that on my on, uh, on my end." Yeah. So uh, apparently, he is not at that not this at this point. He's a Minnesota Twin. He's not a free agent anymore. Well, technically, he is got to pass the physical first we'll get to that as i said dan hayes will join us uh in the five o'clock hour big five chris that chris tony versus the fans and a daily gambit all the things that you are used to will be on the way more gwen and chris on the way
0: this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive
1: Dot com slash taylor tay in the uk it's on the odyssey app thanks to republic records this is a national contest
4: back here in the odyssey palace 97 3 the fan winning chris i'm scraby filling in for chris right here chris is going to be here as soon he's going to be here soon we're going to have him on the show he's up in uh, fresno because the women's aztecs are going to be playing tomorrow so he's going to be calling the game tomorrow we're going to have him on for as much as we can today uh, news and note around baseball. Tony Trevor uh, Story had elbow surgery on Monday to fix a UCL problem, and he's probably. Gonna, I mean, he's going to miss part of the season now. That leaves all the questions. Why didn't he get the
3: surgery earlier? That is a question that uh, should be reserved for Mr. Trevor Story. I yeah, don't it know. Should be. Uh, Bryce Harper had his. It seemed like right after the season ended. Uh, At least speed that's what we heard, um, and you know. As we've discovered on our own time, um, players can be a little stubborn sometimes. They don't, <laughs> they don't necessarily want to. And listen, I know we lo- we've talked about this. Where I know we look at surgery like, man, just have the surgery, move on. I've had surgery before; it's not fun. There are people that don't. They don't vibe with having their body cut on it. Can you blame them? Um, no. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it seems a little bit late. He's going to miss four to six months. He's doing
4: a different type of Tommy John surgery that apparently – or UCL surgery that is uh, going to allow him to come back a little bit sooner than other types of surgeries. But a lot of uh, parallels being drawn. One Ben Higgins is tweeting – Everybody was super mad at Fernando last year when he showed up to spring training and he had a broken wrist. Now, Trevor Story kind of, he's a month away from showing up to spring training. He's got a UCL surgery under his belt.
3: Uh, I don't know that that's the right comparison. Uh, I, the, the comparison shouldn't be Fernando and his broken wrist because that happened with him allegedly doing something. That he wasn't supposed True. to be doing? Good point. Yeah, we don't the, know what the comparison Trevor Story was doing. should be. Fernando not wanting to have surgery on his shoulder. Okay, that's probably more the equivalent. Maybe Ben was talking about the shoulder, but yeah, that's probably what he was talking about. I mean, Ben's pretty knowledgeable. when I know he comes to that kind he of is. stuff. Yes, he is. Uh, that's probably what it should be in comparison to. And again, that's a personal choice to have your body cut on regardless of how people feel felt about it fernando that was his choice now uh once the suspension came i, I think he made a wise decision and in, in going ahead and knocking it out um because ultimately nothing changed from the time he said no i don't want to have the surgery till the time he changed his mind to have the surgery so uh i don't think um those are personal choices. So I'll never knock somebody for for not making for making the choice that they're most comfortable with, despite how everybody else feels.
4: All right, uh, I mean that's a good point. That's a good point. You can't really put yourself in their body because I I had surgery on my tricep and I, I tore it, and it was it was hard to come back from it. It still like to this day kind of hurts. And I know yeah. I'm not a professional athlete, but that's what they don't want to have happen.
3: Right. I, I had a I had a cyst in my left wrist, so every time I swung. Uh, starting in like 2010 or 11, 11, every time I swung, depending on you know the swing that cyst would get, you know it'd roll over and it, and it it would hurt. And at first I didn't want to have surgery. I we, I would I, I drained it a couple times. It came back. Uh, they, they basically said you're gonna if you want this to be gone, you're gonna have to have surgery. And I didn't have surgery on it for like a year and some change before I was like, all right, it's let's time. Have, it's time to have surgery. And was it worth it? Yes, okay. it was. It was. It was worth it. Uh, the, the The issue I had with the surgery at the time was that there was no guarantee that it wouldn't come back. That was what they told you. There's a chance that it, it it could come back, and I was like, if I'm going to let you open up my hand, my wrist, I want it to be gone. I want this thing to be gone, and it just got to the point where I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't deal with it. Well, let's
4: uh, talk about the Padres, because we haven't seen any movement on the Padres in the last couple of days, and uh, I saw an article earlier today about the best free agents left in baseball right now, and if you go down to the left fielder section, you got got Jerickson Profar, and I think, I don't know how you feel about this, Tony, but I, I think that it's time for the Padres to bring back Jerickson Profar. I think I know it's going to happen. Maybe you know it's going to happen. I don't know either. The fans know it's going to (laughs) happen. Jerkson Profar is perfect for this team. The price is right. If he's not asking for too much money, he should be back in a Padres uniform. There's a reason
3: he is still a
4: free agent. There there, is a
3: reason. Therein lies the question. What is the price? What is the asking price? Um, We don't know. Uh, Are the Padres still interested in in Jerkson? Now, it would seem that there is a spot there for somebody who can play really all three outfield positions. And if you need him to play second, he certainly can do that. He could play first. You can play anything, he can you play are. really any spot. Yeah. Uh on the DH. Field. uh the question is what's the price tag? What are the Padres what is there is there any more money to be spent? <laughs> we don't know we, that. We don't know. None <laughs> we of don't that. know. And so uh I, I would say this, Jerricks is probably the best outfield, best left fielder remaining Certainly, the best left fielder remaining in of the of the remaining free agents. Well, good that article got it correct then. Oh, because they
4: named Jerickson Profar. I, I so. would agree with that. That's why it hit, that's why I was uh, thinking about it like that. Is that pro Profar is a leader of this team last year? One of the leaders. One of the leaders of the team. I think he's pretty important, and I know that you think he's important as well. But but you're right. Does he want twelve million dollars? Does he want? Fourteen? Does he want ten? Does he want seven? Does he want six? Who knows? If he wants six, I'm pretty sure the Padres would bring him back for six. Yeah, but. that
3: is the uh, that is the million dollar question. I'm sorry, I was smiling as you're saying that. I know uh, you're, you have creepy the, smile. The guy uh, <laughs> who got kicked out of the game yesterday. He's about to walk into the tunnel. Here he goes. And he's about to have his like pity party as he goes back. Yeah, it, it was uh, up it was, the tunnel. I, I, it was quite uncomfortable to watch a uh, grown man.
4: Well, you like it. You you said something yesterday that was perfect. You like it to your son, where he he knows that he he's in trouble. You and your wife get him in trouble, and then he walks away, pouting and saying under his breath that he's <laughs> mad at you guys for for kicking him or making him go back to his room. And In his defense, he probably wasn't mad at
3: anybody but himself. No, he said he was mad at himself. Yeah, as he was, I don't good. think he knew the cameras. Yeah, wrong. I don't think he did either, because I'm pretty sure. He would have at least he it would have looked a lot different had he had he, had he known the camera. I just hear up. this when I watch it. <laughs> I can't believe they did that to me that's, as he's going
4: up the the that's ramp. That's
3: exactly what it looked like. So <laughs> uh, we're going to enjoy that as we get ready to oh, go a yeah. break here. Greg Camarillo, I don't know if I mentioned that earlier. He's going to oh I did mention that we we're talking to NFL. He's going to join us in the next segment. We're going to talk about uh, all of this, including Aaron Rodgers and whether he will come back or is he going to let us like hang in the wind for yes. for Answers quite some yes. time <laughs> but he's I...
4: also we we looked it up last night he's uh, also going to be making 50 plus million dollars next year that's going to be very hard for someone to turn down mm. very hard and and surprisingly uh he may have not have been a fan of the coin toss either so i'm not the only one out there coin toss the coin toss between the Bengals and the Ravens who, who might have been a fan greg He's not a fan of the Quintas. Oh, well, Greg, the, the,
3: Greg. I thought, Greg we t- I thought we were talking to Aaron Rodgers. Like, why, does, no, why do no. we care what he thinks no, about No, Greg
4: that? Camarillo. So I, at least I have a former NFL veteran that is on my side for something.
3: <laughs> Here it is right now. Look
4: oh, up. he's walking. Oh, man. Why? <laughs> it, looks like I, it looks like he's crying. It does look like he's. He's like, rah, 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 rah,
3: rah. <laughs> uh, I thought this was funny. Uh, oh, the poor talked, guy. That's such a bad video. We talked about <laughs> the many different channels the national championship game was on. Mm, yes. A lot of discussion yesterday or last night into this morning about the game itself and the many different channels it was on. Pat McAfee had one of the channels. And under the circumstances, I didn't watch it, but it feels like under the circumstances that that game was, Pat McAfee made it kind of watchable. Really? That's what I'm gathering from Twitter now. I didn't see it. Uh, our, 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 my good friend and mentor Ted Leitner didn't feel the same way. He did not. No, no. He tweeted out, "OMG, <laughs> don't make the mistake I did tuning to ESPN two for the college football title game commentary from five amateurs from the Pat <laughs> McAfee show, bringing sports TV to a new low. Embarrassing. I can you can hear him say, embarrassing, embarrassing." That was better. Couldn't switch to ESPN fast enough for the rock-solid Chris Fowler.
6: But, so here's you know, a concept. Fight me.
3: <laughs> there's plenty of people at Ted's mentions that disagree and felt like because the game was a blowout, they made it actually watchable. Maybe that that's point.
4: true, but I wasn't watching. So. I didn't see it either. I had better so things do. I don't have do. an opinion.
3: But there I, was 12 you channels. Can always, you can find
4: another one yeah, if you didn't like you it. Could
3: do, you can always depend on... Ted's candor. He's, he, oh, yeah. As, as you just finished playing in that last soundbite.
6: Here's a concept. Bite me. Yeah. That's from That a was actually
3: game. on a real Padre yeah, it game. Was. So it was. He's not one to, to really bite his tongue when he's feeling no. some type of No,
4: way. not whatsoever. <laughs> right, not let's, whatsoever.
3: Let's get to break. When we come back, Greg Camarillo joins us. We're talking NFL playoffs when we return. 238. On the clock, Tony Gwynn Jr. And now, Chris Ello joins us here for this segment. Chris, how was the the travel to Fresno? As it always is, Tony, uh, wonderful. Uh, you know,
5: Fresno's uh, one of the uh, sparkling spots here in uh, the heart of California. They do have a beautiful downtown ballpark here. I don't know if you've ever seen it, right? Uh, I think it's a Giants affiliate team place here, and uh You know, it's quite nice today. It's a little overcast, but uh, happy to be anywhere, Tony. You know that.
3: Yeah, indeed. Uh, The women Aztec squad looking to get back on the good foot, if you will, after a tough loss to UNLV. They'll take on Fresno tomorrow. Uh, Chris, we are going to have Greg Camarillo on here. First, let me get your thoughts on on last last night's drubbing.
5: (laughs) That's a good word for it, Tony. It was... (laughs) And the only thing that happened bad for Georgia was that their kicker got tired and finally missed an extra point after all those <laughs> right. opportunities. He got a little worn out. It, it, that was incredible. I, you know, I, I feel bad for TCU because they to have such an amazing season like that and accomplish everything they did and have it end like that. I, I, they're probably going to be the butt of jokes for you know years and years and years, and it's not really fair to them. But it was a game that just everything went one way, and the better team when the better team gets everything to go their way, that is something that is a possibility. It doesn't happen too often, but uh yeah, I felt bad for TCU. Georgia's a great team. Uh but I you know, it was just one of those nights where everything fell their way.
3: Yeah, I mean that was um, that was tough. It was tough to watch. I, I was telling Krabi, I didn't from the time we left here, I didn't watch another snap in Kind of glad I did because uh, it looked to be the same thing, if not worse, than when we were here watching it.
5: It was. And it, it was kind of like, to me, it was like a car crash that I couldn't look away from. I had to keep <laughs> watching it to see just what the final score was going to be and just how bad it was going to be. And uh, it was bad. I mean, look, it, when the offensive line on one side completely yes. dominates yes. the other yes. and vice versa, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Stetson Bennett can look like a Hall of Famer and Max Duggan can look like, you know, a little league. I said the same but, thing. Any, uh,
3: anytime the, the line of scrimmage is moving backwards and forwards, depending on whether Georgia's offense or defense was on the, right. the field. I mean, it wasn't just moving. It was moving like two or three yards, which is oh, yeah. it's never, never a good thing. All right, let's get to... Uh, our guest, joining us on the premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline, Greg Camarillo joins us, talking a little NFL. Greg, it's been a long time, man. How are you?
6: I'm good, fellas. How are you?
3: We are well. We're uh, good. We, we're doing uh, a little bit better than I think TCU is doing today. Before we get into, <laughs> I, I, I hope so. I <laughs> hope so. <laughs> before we get into the NFL stuff, i got to ask you, um, Chris and I were just talking about it. It's never a good thing when the, offense, when the line of scrimmage is moving that much offensively and defensively for one side.
6: No, not at all. And then you saw what happens with the final score when somebody just dominates the line of scrimmage like that. But that was – I mean, on one side you look at it and say TCU had a great year. You know, their rise to prominence, they were not a you know, dominant football program in the past, and they've slowly built their program up and made it to the national championship. But you got to give them some love and respect for that. But then, Georgia and the SEC, it's just, it's a whole other monster. They literally, 11 monsters on the field at the same time. They just have more talent. um, And that's, you know, we see it year in, year out with the SEC. You know, Ohio State, Michigan can put up a fight. Uh, The Pac 12, and I'm a Pac 12 guy, doesn't seem to ever put up much of a fight. Um, (laughs) And ultimately, that's what it came down to the SEC dominance that we've seen for the past decade.
3: Greg, let's talk NFL. Obviously, uh, the playoff lines Uh, are set. We know who's playing who. What what is your most intriguing matchup uh, of the bunch?
6: The one that has the closest spread, and that's the Uh, Chargers-Jaguars. I mean, it's it's, uh, the most evenly matched game. I really hope Mike Williams is healthy just because I want to see the Chargers at full strength going against the Jaguars at full strength. Um, Seriously questionable business that Staley was doing, putting his guys out there in a meaningless game. Getting someone like Mike Williams hurt because they've been playing well. They're finally healthy. It took them all year to get healthy. Uh, and then they get a couple injuries late in a meaningless game. But, um, what a great matchup. Two amazing young quarterbacks, uh, on teams that don't have a history of championships. And then, you know, we get to see them battle it out in the, in the first round.
5: Greg, let's stick with that game for a minute. How do we, how do, what would you tell each young quarterback going into their first playoff game? Because I, I always feel like the playoffs are a totally different animal in the NFL. And we really don't know, you know, how Justin Herbert's going to react to it. We don't know how Trevor Lawrence is going to react to it. We know that both guys have played huge games yeah. at the college level, but this is a different deal. What should their coaches, what should their teammates or people around them be telling them to expect?
6: The first thing is it's it's the same football game. It's the same thing you've done every Sunday for the past few years, every weekend for, you know, probably since you were five years old. Once you cross into the field, onto the gridiron, it is literally the same exact thing you've been doing. Now, in the playoffs, the atmosphere leading up to it is very different. There's uh, much more media hype. Uh, When you get to the stadium, the fans are there earlier. There's more fanfare, and, and pyrotechnics, and smoke, and fireworks, and crowd screaming, but then once the game starts, it's the same old thing, um, and, and it's that same routine that they've been doing week in and week out for 17 games that got them there, so I would tell them, just do the same thing you've been doing. Nothing changes. Uh, from a coaching perspective, errors are amplified in the playoffs. Because you're playing against other great teams that are there, you can't make those mistakes. You know You can't you know, have a costly fumble or a costly interception or um, a penalty. Like we saw at the end of the Green Bay game when the guy pushed the ref. Something like that yeah. can literally cost you your season. Um, but I don't want to tell the players that. You know, we may we may say that a little bit, but I don't want the quarterbacks thinking about. Don't make a mistake. Just go out there and play the same game you've been playing your whole life, and everything's going to work out.
3: Greg Camarillo joins us here on the Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad Fan Hotline. Two pros and a Joe. And Greg um, of these matchups there are a few that could be upset worthy. Uh, What do you see as, which one do you see as being that game?
6: Oh, wow. Um, I mean, the Jaguars are uh, underdogs, but to me, I mean, it's a pretty even matchup. Let's see. There's um, the the ones that are, oh, the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. Now that's a huge question mark. So, The Buccaneers won their division. They're a higher rank. The Cowboys come to them, but the Cowboys are 12 and five and and the Buccaneers are eight and nine. So when you look at that, it's really hard to call the Buccaneers the favorite and, and based on odds, uh, I think it's two and a half points. Um, so it's pretty even as well. I could be wrong on that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to call the Cowboys the underdog, even though that's technically what they are ranked in the playoff scenarios. But, uh, that I mean, I could convince myself that that one's going to go either way because they've been twelve and five. Daxman rolling. The Buccaneers have been bad all year, and I'm not talking about mediocre. I'm talking about bad. Yeah. Tom Brady has looked. He's looked forty five, and then two weeks ago, they figured it all out. And it's, it's it, You know, I've I've played against Tom for a number of years. I've I've cheered against Tom for twenty two years, <laughs> and the one thing I've learned is you never count Tom Brady out in the playoffs. Uh, And so that'll be a really fun one to watch to see what Tom has left in the tank because his team is not technically as good as the Cowboys. But, you know, it's Tom in the playoffs.
5: Greg, I don't mean this to be a self-serving question, but your old team (laughs) and my favorite team, the Miami Dolphins, are really up against it here. I mean, look, they're down to their third-string quarterback. They're starting running backs out. Their two tackles are out, uh, left tackle and right tackle. Looks to me like Tyreek Hill's a little gimpy on top of all that. Yep. And even if they were 100% healthy, they'd be underdog because they're playing a really good Buffalo Bill team. So what do you do if you're the Dolphins, you're on this roster, you're Jalen Waddell, you're you know, one of these guys going into this game, you know in the back of your mind you have very little chance to win. How do you convince yourself that, you know
6: what, we can do this? Chris, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can, I can't convince myself <laughs> yeah. that Dolphins are going to win this one. Uh, the only thing, the only thing that can give them hope is the big play ability of, of Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle and just hope that you could throw a eight yard slant to Tyree kill and he'll take it 92 yards and do that five times. And then you got, you got, you got yourself a victory. Uh, but they're, they're, they're overmatched. They don't, they don't have too many people hurt just like you mentioned. Um, and so, you know, it's, we can celebrate them getting to the playoffs cuz they do it so rarely that you know great season for the dolphins but it uh, it ends week 1 and uh, honestly i think they have to go back and reevaluate who the quarterback's going to be because that you know Tua was serviceable was the amazing no but he's always hurt and so you've got these offensive weapons that need a quarterback a consistent quarterback uh and they're lacking that but you know the talent is there to have a run they just got to get that consistency down, and unfortunately, the the bills are just way better at football.
3: Tough grade for Craig Camarillo. I mean, Tua was it's
6: at tough, one, man. At, well, I know Tua
3: I'm... was at one point an MVP candidate. You said he was serviceable. I, I
6: mean, he was he was looking great, but you, you, your your best ability is your availability. Man, that's he's true. He's never he's never available, and so you know it's um they're they're in some prime years with the the offensive weapons they yeah, have, and they. Sure. He, Skyler Thompson not to be their starting quarterback going into the playoffs, and that's not a knock on him. That's just any right. any third string quarterback, except for Brock Purdy, at, which doesn't you, really have much of a chance. Which is
3: a perfect segue into my next question. And you mentioned you mentioned Purdy, uh, Purdy, that the fact that he is in this spot, and oftentimes you mentioned it, you get into the playoffs, errors are highlighted at, at such a, a higher level than they are during the regular season at some point isn't a defense going to force the 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 49ers to make purdy beat them because obviously the strength of the niners is that run game and getting the ball into some of their their best weapons to some of their best weapons but you see oftentimes during this time of year a team will will scheme it and force you a team a guy like purdy to beat them do you think we get a chance to see that
6: finally I, I think it's too hard to force ah. Brock Purdy, the guy to beat you, because, all right, so what are you going to double team Kittle? Okay, that leaves Debo Samuel open. You double team Kittle and Debo Samuel, then not enough people are watching Christian McCaffrey. Brandon Ayuk can show up. Juwan Jennings can show up. It, they have so many weapons. All they need is a guy, as a quarterback, not to mess it up. And we've seen Jimmy G do a good job with that, even though at times he tried to mess it up. But Brock <laughs> Purdy, I mean, and let me not act like I saw this coming, because I did not no see No one saw at this coming yeah uh has been amazing and you know i was like well, let me find out some more about this brock Purdy guy and you look at iowa state a four-year starter took his team to four bowl games in a row like this guy's a winner you know he finds ways to get it done uh but with with shanahan and that team and the weapons they have all he has to do is stay on script they, they draw up these plays that have guys wide open if you get christian mccaffrey the ball with three people to tackle him he's going to make all of them miss and it's just It's so fun to watch. And then their defense, man, their defense is something else. So the offense only has to put up like 18 points and the defense is going to stop everybody else. Uh, and so they, they, they're, they're firing on all cylinders and Brock Purdy jumped right in there and didn't skip a beat. Uh, and to me, they're, they're the most dangerous team. You know, that's the one I would be most concerned about. We know Patrick Holmes is always an issue. Uh, we know Josh Allen is always an issue, but the 49ers with all these weapons, I, I'd be scared to play them.
5: Greg Camarillo is with us, uh, Two Pros and a Joes' podcast. Uh, Greg, you touched on Patrick Mahomes. Chiefs and Eagles don't play this weekend. Which of those two do you think is more the real deal moving forward in this postseason?
6: Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes, just because of, of the magic that he can come up with. And, and that's not a knock on Josh Allen the Bills, because they're amazing as well. Uh, but, you know, we've seen Patrick do it, Patrick do it year in and year out. Uh, and what he's learned this year is he's, not able to rely on Tyree Kill to make that huge play. He's had to find different guys in the offense, and is doing it at an incredibly high level. He's got uh, Nicole Hartman is, is finally healthy and back, and they've got uh, Travis Kelsey, one of the best tight ends to ever do it. But he's found ways to spread that ball out, uh, and that's also the, the genius of Andy Reid uh, and Eric Bieniemy, the coaches, you know, putting them in positions to win. Um, but it, you know, Patrick Mahomes is that guy that you just you never count him out.
3: With that being said, Greg, uh, it does seem like the Cincinnati Bengals are a little perturbed that they aren't like the runaway favorites. It seems like yeah. this reading their comments, it feels like they have felt disrespected that uh, they are the team that won the AFC championship last year, that everything should run through them, yet. but like you said, most people are still talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. How, how much do you think that motivates this Bengal team, and, and, and do you see them – being the representative again out of the AFC,
6: yeah, they should they should be mad because uh, they proved it last year and uh, came out of nowhere and, and they had the the slightest slow start and that kind of got people to think, oh, the Bengals don't have it this year. And then they just rallied off a bunch of wins after that. Uh, and so they 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 fell off the radar, but then immediately got back onto it. Uh, Jamar Chase is one of the most exciting receivers to watch. Is the guy? I mean, he has all the receiver skills, and then he has this acceleration button, which is like, like catching a mushroom in Mario Kart, where you just boom and you take off, uh, which is a lot of fun to watch. And, and uh, you know, the, the experience they have from last year. <laughs> look at that. That's great at work. Good work, Scravy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, the experience they have from last year, like that, that is so valuable to know what the playoffs feel like, to know what an AFC championship feels like, to know what a Super Bowl feels like. Like, that's just an extra tool in your pocket. And so you can go into it with less nerves, uh, you know, and you're, you're more prepared because of that. Uh, and so let's, let's, let's not count them out. You know, let's not say the Bengals can't keep up with the Chiefs or the Bills. Um, but, ah, man, it's just, it's just hard to count Patrick Mahomes out and look at him like he's going to be beaten.
3: Yeah, the one thing that's for certain is the AFC is going to be a dogfight to the to the yeah. to whoever yeah. comes out of it. I mean, there are some really really talented teams on the AFC side. We'll all get to watch it starting Saturday. Greg, Greg good to see you again or good to hear from you again. We'll, we'll do this again next week.
6: Great chat with you guys. Great camera.
3: Great camera Two pros and the Joe on the Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline save money the right way with Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad. Visit them today in the Carlsbad Auto Mall Chevrolet find new roads. I got to say, Chris, um when i asked him the the upset question as much as i have enjoyed the the vikings um journey to this point um they could be a team on upset alert i know it's the giants but they have uh they they some of their losses scare me that they've had during the regular season
5: well the fact that they've been outscored this season right. should scare you i mean i don't think a 13 and 4 team in the history of football has ever been outscored like <laughs> no, they good have point. Good so point. Uh, it's, I think that one, and you mentioned Baltimore, Cincinnati yeah. yesterday, but I mean, Lamar Jackson obviously has to play for that to be a possibility. Right.
3: I agree. All right. Uh, you hear the music. That means uh, we're going to get to break when we come back a little daily gambit on the way We're going to Chris.
0: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?